everybody, Phil Vassar here, and welcome to Songs from the Cellar. It's going to be epic today. Mr. Steve Cropper's here. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Billboard magazine names him one of the greatest guitar players of all time. You're going to love it. Songs from the Cellar. Here we go. Three, two, one. And go. Well, I'll tell you a story, and it's uh, it, it might help some songwriters out there, young ones and old ones, because uh, they're always asking, where do you get your ideas from? Jerry Wexler, at the time, was the vice president of Atlantic Records in New York, and Atlantic Records was our main distributor. They distributed the Stax Records. And so uh, they knew what we were doing. We'd had several hits, you know, with Booker T and Last Night and Rufus and Carla and all that sort of stuff. And so Jerry Wexler called Jim Stewart and he said, hey, we've got this artist we're having a little trouble getting a single on. You think your guys would be interested in, in doing that? And I said, yeah, I'll bring him on down and <laughs> let him write with Cropper and we'll go in the studio. I didn't know who Wilson Pickett was. I'm sure I should have. I used to work at a record shop. So the only thing I could find on Wilson Pickett were some church things that he'd sing on. When he was ad-lib in the end, he was great. He was a great screamer. And one of the neatest things that Jerry Wexler ever said, when Wilson Pickett screamed, it was a note. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I heard all the stuff and he'd go, oh, I'm going to see my Jesus at midnight hour. Whoa, I'm going to wait till the midnight hour. See my Jesus at midnight hour. And I said, that's that guy's signature right there. <laughs> uh, that day they flew in from uh, New York to Memphis and picked Jerry up and, and Wilson and we checked into the Holiday Inn. They said, uh, well, why don't you guys go ahead and get started writing and Jim and I are going to go have a business dinner. You know, that kind of, we're going to go get something to eat and, and talk a little business. <laughs> yeah. So... Wilson and I didn't know each other, and he comes in, I've got my guitar, and he has his, and he puts his clothes up in the hotel room, and he gets his guitar out. And I said, well, I've got an idea at midnight hour. And uh, he said, man, that's a great idea. I'm going to wait till the midnight hour. So we just kind of switched around. That's where my love comes tumbling down. And uh, so, so Jerry, uh, this is about an hour and a half later. There's a knock on the door, and it's Jerry Wexler. He said, you know, we finished our dinner. He said, we just want to check and see how you guys are doing, what's going on. I said, well, we can play you a couple. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we played him Don't Fight It and in the Midnight Hour. And he said, whoa, those are pretty good. He said, why don't you guys just keep writing and Jim and I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> so we did. One, two, and go.
I think I mentioned when we were just kind of running midnight hour down that I had actually written a more of a, a a notey kind of rhythm part for the for the record. And Jerry Wexler, being the producer, he said, "Steve, he said, I like what you're doing, but can you just do some just straight backbeats?" And that put the groove into dance music, and there oh, we go. Crap. So you moved to Nashville how long ago now? So what's, what's the uh, well, I guess after we got married, we moved here, so that'd be 27 years ago. But I was working here off and on and flying into Nashville and back to California. From LA, yeah. About twice a month on an average for about a year and a half, two years. Wow. That's why I say I've known Nashville yeah. for about 30 years. I know that lick. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting where the evening comes Watching the ships roll in Then I watch them roll away again mm, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Oh, sitting on the dock of the bay Just waiting Looks like 
sitting on the dock of the bay Just wasting time Hey, cheers, man. Oh, Invite man. me. Thanks for being over here. here. Thank this you. So Thanks awesome. for being my friend. This is great. You're great. So this is a Washington wine. That's a Kiona 2013 Cabernet. This is really good. I like this. And Pretty this good like for 13, bucks, huh? 20 bucks a bottle or something like this. Yeah. This is nice. I love this. For that price, it tastes that good? Mm-hmm. There you go. It's not a bad thing. You don't have to chase it with I mean, we've got cheese here and all that stuff. <laughs> That's That will work with even bad wine. Yeah, blue cheese and... You know, you if, but you got to be a guy that likes blue cheese, yeah. and it doesn't make really bad wine taste tasteable. Is that the, is that what I'm doing wrong? Any kind of chocolate, eat a little chocolate first, and uh, and get your palate going, and then you can put the worst wine in the world. It, it, just, <laughs> it just skips over the chocolate. Itself. It just tastes wonderful. And then if you run out of chocolate, it's like, uh oh. So you moved to Nashville, how long ago now? So what's what's well, I guess after we got married, we moved here, so that'd be 27 years ago. But I was working here off and on and flying into Nashville and back to California. From L.A., yeah. About twice a month on an average for about a year and a half, two years. Wow. That's why I say I've known Nashville for about 30 years. Yeah. So you, um, so I mean, as we do this. all the great people, the mayors and oh, the, the restaurant owners, and I Boner? got to meet all those guys. <laughs> Mayor Boner. Mario, I knew Mario, really well. man. Oh, great place. I you love know. Mario, man. And we had more fun in this town. and uh, yeah. there, there was never uh, an evening that you couldn't go and hang out with your buddies. Yeah. Have a beer, have a glass of wine, and talk yeah. about music and have fun. And it was just it was just a great time. It really, it really was a different time coming then, especially like the Third Coast and all that stuff was here and some of those restaurants. Yeah, like that. that was a great hangout. Rock and roll hotel. Remember most that? of the guys I knew are, you know, multimillionaires now. That yeah, produced a hundred records. Yeah, all, mm -hmm. you know, platinum or whatever. And oh, yeah. in those days, they were just starving musicians oh, wanting to write a song. So you came to Nashville almost thirty years ago. I mean, you've seen it change. How much? I mean, has it changed since? You've been here, I mean, but you've settled well, on your house. If, if I had not been here for 30 years, I would right. really see a change. Oh, yeah. The fact that yeah. I've been here and watched a transition, you don't notice it as much. Mm -hmm. But I think every town in the United States has changed. Yeah. 
in the last 25, 30 years. And, mm -hmm. and the people that live there on a regular basis, I mean, for life, uh, see a transition slowly happen. Right. My uniqueness, and I'm, I'm very proud of this, is I, I tour Europe all right. the time right. with the Blues Brothers. Right. Because we have, why? Because we have a following over there. <laughs> over here, there's a good reason why we don't have such a big following. We don't have a new record. We don't have a new movie. And John Belushi died years ago. <laughs> but in Europe, they don't care about that. They want to know about the musicians that were behind all of that. Right. And they protect them and they, you know, and it's amazing, the, the fans that we get. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned you went you played somewhere and the whole audience was singing the lyrics mm -hmm. of your song almost as loud as you were. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And uh, when they do that, it's like they, they seem to know more about you than you know about yourself because oh, yeah. a lot of things you do, you're moving on and you forget about it. They remember everything. Well, especially you because you've produced everybody. You've written songs for everybody. You've played uh, with everybody. Fortunate. But I mean, but but seriously still, I mean, they, you know, the audiences over there do know everything you've ever done, every record you've ever played, even if it's not on the credits, right? I mean, even if it's not even listed it's, somewhere. In the old days, there might have been an art picture on the front of the cover. It was hardly ever the musicians that were on the record. Right. And you flip it over there's a list of songs and who wrote it and the publishers and all that, and they used to do what they call liner notes. Right. And a guy would write a little bit about the band, but there was no real detail. Right. And most of the session musicians never, ever got mentioned. You know, the horn players, oh, the keyboard yeah, players, right. they didn't get mentioned, even the drummers or whatever, they never got mentioned unless they were part of the group. Right. Well, the group, you know, do what they do. I mean, the Beatles were, there were four guys in the Beatles. <laughs> there was four guys in Booker T. So we were very lucky to be a session band that got lucky enough to, to have some hit instrumentals. Right. And do some shows and do some TV and get some recognition. And so those four guys had a name value. I'm just very fortunate I was happened to be one of them. Right. But Al Jackson, Booker T. Jones, Doug Dunn, and myself. Right. You know? I mean, which is... And there's so many great session players that, that musician musically. They right. are incredible. Yeah. They will inspire you. They help write the songs. They help make the record they hit but never have their own career yeah. like Booker T and EMGs did. I mean, right. we were just very fortunate to have both those things happen. All right, I had been coming here to write with friends and, and whatever, and a very good friend of mine who managed uh, Larry Butler's publishing company, Juan right. Contreras, mm -hmm. Juan. and uh, I, I used to be able to get on, if I got on this red-eye flight to Dallas, and catch this 7.30 flight from Dallas, I could get into Nashville before noon, by about 11 something. Yep. So I fly in at the old airport. <laughs> and uh, so while I'm waiting on my rent a car, because I'd come in, I'd rent a car, you know, I'm always staying a couple of weeks or whatever. And uh, so I call my, while I'm waiting on the car to come up, I'm calling my friend Juan and I said, I just landed, I'm waiting on my rent a car. Do you want me to check into the hotel or do you want to meet for lunch somewhere? Because it was about 11.30. He said, oh, let's meet at, it was Maud's. Maud's, the Maud's Courtyard, that's right, that's what it was. Maud's Courtyard. That's what I was trying to think and of And he said, why don't you meet me at Maud's? There's somebody that's going to be there I want you to meet. I didn't know who that person was. We meet at Maud's, I park the car, I go in, and there's two of our best songwriting buddies and two of the heroes of Nashville was Dennis Morgan and Minner Williams sitting at the bar. Wow. And we walk in and it's like 
boyhood reunion. That I mean, bar, it's like, whoa, everybody guys. hung out at that bar. So, that you know, we have a beer with them, and they said, hey, you guys hungry? Let's get something to eat. So we got a table in the corner. <laughs> we do that. And so the we finished lunch, and the bill comes. And everybody's grabbing for the bill, and I grab it, and they grab it out of my hand, and they said, no, Cropper, you're visiting. You're here from California. We've got this one. So... Dennis and uh, Mentor Williams are arguing over who's going to pay for the check. <laughs> so Juan hits me on the shoulder and he said, remember I told you there was somebody I wanted you to meet? I said, oh, yeah. I've had my back to the restaurant. We're up on that upper level where it used to be. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, come with me. So I get up out of my chair and I turn around and my eyes go straight to Angel, my present wife. <laughs> and I literally said, boy, I wish he was going to introduce me to her. Because as soon as we get through with our conversation, wherever we're going, I'm going to go over and say hello or something. And he walks me straight to Angel and says, I want you to meet a friend of mine, a guitar player from Los Angeles. Wow. He didn't say Memphis. He said Los Angeles. And she thought, oh, another guitar player. (laughs) And during the conversation, she looks at Juan and she says, are we still on for golf tomorrow? And I said, golf? And she said, oh, you play golf? And I said, oh, about six or seven times a week. Yeah, that's right. And she looks at Juan and says, well, is there room for him to play? The rest of the story, we played uh, 27 holes riding in the car together. <laughs> and here's a word to the wise, guys, if you want to pick up a girl. <laughs> I waited till the last hole, which wasn't 18. It was actually hole 27. And I said, if I don't ask her now, she'll, I'll never get the chance. And I knew it. And I said, would your mom and I, I mean, your mom and you like to go to dinner with me tonight? And she said, that's what did it. Because you invited her mother. Because I, yeah. I see. Her mother was with her up here, and I met her at lunch. I didn't say that earlier. But anyway, I invited her and her mom to dinner. And she said, that did it. A girl that plays guitar. She said she broke a date. That she already had a dinner date, and she called and broke it because I'd invited her and her mom. Said, this guy must be okay. Moved here three days after we uh, got married. She left with me on tour with the Blues Brothers. So <laughs> Did she really? To make this God a little funny, her. which is true. I don't God know how many her. guys out there or women have been through this. Oh, my But God. we get married in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, baby. Fly into Nashville the next day, and the day after that, we leave for Europe, and she spent two weeks on a bus on tour with the Blues Brothers. That was our honeymoon. And you're still married. That's pretty good. I mean, that is a tough way to start out. She claims she read more books in those two weeks. (laughs) Because after you've seen our show and heard our jokes, it, like, gets old hat. Steve, I love you, man. Thanks for being here. Bless you. Thanks for being at Songs from the Cellar, one of the greatest, my heroes, Steve Cropper. I love you, man. Thank you for being here. And I'm not going to ask any more about setting in. I'll just show up. Yeah, he's just hanging, man. I'm the house band for Steve Cropper now. I love it. No, you're not. I love it. Peace, love, man. God bless you too, brother. Thank you so much.